Since 1987, the South Dakota Community Foundation has been bringing philanthropy to life for a stronger South Dakota by connecting generous people and charitable nonprofits in our state. This podcast features inspiring stories from donor, community, advisor, and nonprofit partners invested in creating an improved South Dakota for generations to come. Hello, and welcome to the South Dakota Community Foundation's podcast series. I am Jeff Elkamp, the Director of Development at the South Dakota Community Foundation. In this episode, I visit with Becky Rasmussen, the Executive Director for Call to Freedom. We will discuss the broad impact and vital services that Call to Freedom is providing victims of trafficking all across the state of South Dakota. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, Becky. Thank you, Jeff, for having us. Becky, to start us off, uh, would you please introduce yourself to our listeners and provide a little background on your journey to where you are today? Yeah, you know, Call to Freedom, um, I'm the executive director, established Call to Freedom in 2016. So January this month, we are eight years um, that we've been an organization um, as a 501c3 nonprofit. And our primary focus is to offer supportive services to those that have been victimized by human trafficking. Human trafficking consists of either sex or labor exploitation um, with the use of force, fraud, or coercion to exploit somebody for either one of those. And so in this process, we've really developed what we call our continuum of care to serve survivors of human trafficking. So we come alongside um, youth. Uh, We also serve women, children, and men who have been victimized by human trafficking or domestic commercial uh, exploitation. And so we um, have really developed the model of call to freedom based off of journeying with survivors And every time that we would live life with a survivor and begin to realize that there were other services that they needed, additional services they needed, um, we would add that to our programming. So we have housing um, that we work with for survivors, but also basic needs, safety. Um, We have uh, mental health, um, also chemical dependency addiction counselors on staff. And so we're able to meet those emergency needs, but also those long supportive needs of a survivor when they walk through the doors of Call to Freedom. Wow, that's uh, you guys. You guys do a lot, um, and I can imagine probably because it is this way for myself too. These are topics that a lot of people don't want to talk about or don't want to uh, really bring to light that uh, are kind of in our backyard, but. Maybe tell the the listeners a little bit about yourself too and your background. You know, how did you how did you come to the idea of I'm going to start an organization like this? Yeah, you know, I I didn't wake up one day and and think I would be doing what I was doing. Um, I really knew that I was supposed to do something in life that hopefully made a difference. Um, and I had heard about the issue of anti human trafficking. Um, in about 2010, and something stirred in me. I, I felt like I was going to do something in that area. I had met a, a woman named Susan Omanson who started this work in South Dakota many years ago. I heard about what she was doing, um, knew it wasn't the right time um, until 2015, and I'm a faith person. So I was in prayer, and I really felt prompted to get involved with Um, whatever was happening on the forefronts of the anti-human trafficking movement here in South Dakota. So I do what everybody does. I Google anti-human trafficking movement in South Dakota and a organization called Tapestry International popped up. 
And so I've always learned you find out what foundation has already been laid to establish upon that. And so they were doing some more like ministry work under the program called Call to Freedom. And I connected with them. I ended up serving on their board. August of 2015, I had a opportunity to go to Sturgis, South Dakota um, and do outreach there. And that forever changed my life. I had an opportunity to meet a young girl when I was at the Sturgis rally who perceived to be very vulnerable, um, didn't really ever disclose what was happening, um, but found out through very various different sources that this young girl was potentially trafficked and had been brought to Sturgis for that activity. And I knew something needed to happen because her story was that she was found um, in October and went missing in May the next year again. So she had been home back with her family for a, a less than six months before she went missing again. And I began to ask the questions, how do you identify somebody who's potentially missing or in human trafficking situations? And organizations began to tell me that there were only 298 beds at that time for survivors of human trafficking, but less than 3% of victims ever leave those circumstances because they don't have the services to come alongside them to be successful in those transition out of human trafficking. And I knew that I had to do something. I knew I didn't know what it looked like. And the woman who was uh, with Tapestry said, I think I'm supposed to transition our work to you. Um, and that was a little bit of a surprise to me. But as I prayed and, and just really kind of said, do I, am I really supposed to do this? I felt like the answer was yes. And so we founded, uh, applied for our 501c3 in November of 2015. We received our acceptance January of 2016 and opened our first doors March of 2016 and have been serving clients ever since. There wasn't a lot of stats. There wasn't a lot of information collected about human trafficking, um, what was happening in South Dakota. There wasn't a lot of um, identification of victims because of the, the lack of education in that area. And so we really had to start at, we felt ground zero doing the work. And fast forward to today, we have 27 staff serving across the state of South Dakota and also regionally. And I'm very excited to say that we've served over 800 um, individuals who've walked through the doors of Call to Freedom to re- receive services. So for me, this is a call. Um, I wouldn't step into this if I didn't feel like somebody was behind me, pushing me forward. And, um, you know, the staff that we have is very good and they're very passionate about what they do. And so um, we have an opportunity to serve and, and that's what we want to do at Call to Freedom. You know, Becky, you and I have known each other for a while, and I know that you are very emotionally engaged in this effort. Uh, you can see it whenever you speak. I hope our listeners can hear that. Um, and if you'll allow me to go off script just a little bit here, um, I just maybe had this aha moment. Maybe there's no correlation, but this is truly a calling for you. Is that part of what went into naming it Call to Freedom, or is there no connection there? No, you know, so there, the, the individual who was running Tapestry actually had named the renamed some of that work called the freedom so it was a program under another organization but it wasn't its own nonprofit and i could have started something brand new and i could have renamed it but i always felt like we should always respect the foundation that's already been laid 
And many people had laid some foundation through the work of Be Free Ministries, renamed Call to Freedom. And I felt like it was really important to honor the foundation that was already laid by people that started this work on, on maybe a different level, but kind of plowed the way for us to be able to step in. And so I didn't feel right naming it something else. And so I cannot take the credit for the name of Galda Freedom. Um, so I just now have, you know, Susan Omanson, she um, really plowed the way. Um, and so I wanted to honor her. And I felt like that was the best way to do it is to, to take the work that she started and hopefully take it to a level that makes her proud and and the people who came before us. Interesting. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, can you go to into a little more detail uh, about the East River Human Trafficking Task Force that your organization has helped facilitate? Yeah, so Junior League actually started the work of the East River Human Trafficking Task Force. I believe it was in 2014. Um, they established those relationships, realized that there was not um, an, an organized task force doing this work on the eastern side of the state. And so they, those ladies came together and started kind of that preliminary work of making the calls, bringing people to the table. When Call to Freedom was founded in 2016, we were on the task force. We were working with Junior League and, and a few other organizations that were a part of it. And as we started to grow, do the work, um, Junior League uh, felt like it was time to pass the torch to Call to Freedom to facilitate the East River Human Trafficking Task Force. And so we accepted that, that torch in 2017, and we've been caring and, and facilitating, I would really say facilitating the task force um, since that time. And so when it was developed, it was a lot of um, different partners at the table, but when, it's really hard to know who to get to the table until you really start working cases and, and really journeying life with survivors. And so as we started um, living life with survivors, we started to realize that they had a lot of complex needs. And so we started saying we need to bring these service providers in this area to the table and really took that foundation and expanded it into over 60 different programs or different organizations that are a part of the East River Human Trafficking Task Force now. And we realized that we needed to know what people were experiencing. So through the South Dakota Community Foundation, um, we received funding to be able to do strategic planning. Um, and we began to do strategic planning with Sage Consulting and we brought all those people to the table. So our first strategic planning sessions um, we actually got facilitators from out of state that have actually done a lot of this work in North Dakota and surrounding states and said, how did you do it? Help us, you know, get where you're at and, and really help us develop what we need to do. And through that strategic planning, we brought over 60 different organizations to the table to develop different committees to facilitate, but also to grow the task force. And out of that um, real work came several federal grants that we applied for to expand the work through Call to Freedom. And so we started a task, uh, a grant with the uh, what we call Fed 18, Federal 18, that did work within rural communities. And so we started seeing how can we help rural communities identify and serve victims of human trafficking. And so out of that strategic plan came this uh, federal grant that was able to fund that and 
help to expand that work. The second tier of that was also youth. We started to realize that there weren't a lot of services for youth and uh, within communities or within the state that were specialized in human trafficking. We have a lot of great nonprofits doing a lot of great work, but let's talk about sexual exploitation and human trafficking. And out of that work with the youth uh, committee, we then applied for another federal grant, which was F-19, received that funding, and that has helped expand the work through our partnership with Child's Voice and also with um, the youth navigator doing prevention. Today we're doing, uh, I just did a research, we just did our little collective six months, and he had did over 60 trainings uh, in less than five months within youth programs. And so now we're doing that prevention and intervention piece because of that, this, that the strategic planning and getting people at the table to say, what do you need and what are you seeing? And it's really helped us evolve the work. It's helped us to also find funding to be able to do the work and continue to do the work as well. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so for our listeners, the relationship between the South Dakota Community Foundation and Call to Freedom uh, probably really started with grant applications that you sent us, and we were honored to to fund some different things. You had mentioned strategic planning. Um, I believe one of the more recent ones was a community innovation grant, and that went towards that East River Task Force, correct? That is correct. And so that was actually our second round of strategic planning because we had fulfilled our goals from round one from that, that 2017. So we went in and we applied for another grant to continue to fund and then also hire Sage Consulting on to continue that strategic planning and say, all right, now we've, we're here, where do we need to go? And so what we're doing not only as committees through that strategic planning and through that innovation grant is now we're actually building this bigger task force that will be over the work in the eastern side of the state. So we know there's a lot of work to do. We know that we're that it doesn't take one organization to do the work. It's collaboration between those service providers that are on the ground, law enforcement, different entities across the state to be able to a, identify victims of human trafficking and then respond because they're coming into our domestic violence shelters, they're coming into our emergency departments. They're coming through our youth programs. And the question is, is have we been educated enough or do we know the signs, the warnings or what it looks like in order to help identify those individuals? And so this next phase has really taken us to this next level where we want to go for this larger task force, which was developed out of these committees. So we know that this is um, a very involved process. We know that it takes a lot of time and resources to do this work well. Um, and we're very committed to that. And we're so grateful for your support to continue to do that work, to really bring those individuals together to talk about the real issues that they're seeing within their communities, within tribal nation, um, and also within youth communities as well. Well, as I listen to that selfishly, I want to say that seems like that was a pretty good investment on our end uh, with everything that's been accomplished since then. Uh, maybe taking that relationship a little bit further, you know, first starting with uh, being a grantee, and then as your organization grew and matured, uh, you came to the realization, we need to start an endowment. And you chose to partner with the South Dakota Community Foundation when it came to setting up your endowment. 
Um, can you go into maybe a little bit more detail about what inspired you to partner with us at the Community Foundation and what benefits are you seeing from that partnership? Yeah, you know, we um, we're so grateful for our partners because uh, we wouldn't be where we're at without people believing in this. And this work has only been put in that human trafficking has been put into statute early 2000. And so it's really new work. And the South Dakota Community Foundation believed in the work we were doing. There's a lot of people that don't want to hear about human trafficking or even acknowledge that maybe it's happening or their family member could be victimized by it. But but you guys came alongside of us and been a partner for many years. So when we had an opportunity, we also fundraised and built a home, a new home for survivors of human trafficking. It's called the new Marissa's House. And we actually uh, individually fundraised for that, built that in a year and six months. And we opened the doors April 1st, 2022. And we today, just so you know, we're housing 12 survivors is completely full and 10 children. And they've been reunified with their parents. So when we did that fundraising campaign and the community came behind us, we knew that this community believed in this cause and that we needed to continue the work of Marissa's house and call to freedom. And we knew that this work wasn't going to stop tomorrow. And we knew that we had to look at this as a longevity, not just tomorrow or next month. And, and that's where the endowment came from is when we fundraised for the Marissa's house, um, built it. And we had um, that additional donors who said, we believe in you and we want those operation costs to be there so that you can continue serving moms and their children. We knew we needed to partner with the South Dakota Community Foundation to start that endowment um, because you have always been a friend of ours and come alongside us and believed in this work. And, you know, we wouldn't be where we're at without partners like you. Well, thank you. We're honored to partner with you. I was chatting with another executive director and they made this statement. If you believe that the mission of your organization will last beyond your lifetime, start an endowment because you'll need that funding there for generations. So looking forward, Becky, in what ways do you hope to see your work grow in the future? Yeah, for me, I and for my team, I don't just speak for myself. I, I believe I speak not only for myself, but also the team at Call to Freedom and the board members um, and those people who volunteer and give their time um, tirelessly in organizations like the South Dakota Community Foundation. Um, we want to see that every survivor has the opportunity to be safe and out of those situations. I mentioned a number before that 97% of people don't leave those situations. And there's a variety of reasons why they never get out. That's not good enough. We as a community need to come together and say, we believe you, we're going to support you, and your life is valued and the life of your children are valued. And so I know that this is gonna go long after Calder, Becky Rasmussen, that this is gonna be an ongoing operation that is hopefully a beacon of light for people that are in human trafficking or commercial exploitation, that they know that there is an organization that believes in them and is gonna support them through that process. And so for me, I wanna see that we um, continue to grow, um, but also continue to provide good services to those that walk through the doors of Call to Freedom. I would love to see us do more with youth. 
I am a visionary, so I could probably make you very tired with my thoughts and, and my thoughts moving forward. I want every survivor to be able to share their voice if they want to. Um, something exciting that just happened and we announced this week is survivors, uh, actually the first mother, grandmother of the first survivor to ever walk through the doors of Call to Freedom, just wrote her first book. And Call to Freedom came alongside her and another survivor, actually it was a handful of survivors that said, I want to share my voice because I don't want others to endure what I endured. And so I, we came alongside them to help give their voice a platform. And so a new book that's called Call to Freedom, A Parent's Guide to Understanding Human Trafficking and Healing Their Children was just um, introduced and launched onto Amazon. And within 48 hours, we ended up being a number one bestseller and, and it's out there now. And our hope for this book is that uh, Calder Freedom lives beyond the borders of South Dakota in the sense that there are so many calls that we get from all across the United States. I feel calls from Florida, Michigan, Texas, of family members that are saying, something's happening with my child. I don't know what to do. And there aren't you know, there are very good anti-human trafficking groups, but we need more. And we're going to field those calls, even if they're outside of South Dakota, um, to make sure that parents are able to navigate those situations before they become very um, an actual full-blown human trafficking. And so this book was created for parents. It was created for community members to be able to understand trafficking. And it has real life um, stories and examples from survivors. And they want to come alongside parents who feel like they have no hope and offer hope to them. So we're excited for that because it's a new chapter for Call to Freedom. And it's um, the grandmother who wrote this. Her name is Ruth. She said, Becky, I just keep seeing lots of children that need this book and that parents that need this book so that they can find the hope that I have today and that my granddaughter has today. That's powerful. Uh, for our listeners, what's the name of the book and where can they go to find it? Yeah, it's on Amazon or you can go to calderfreedom.org and we can we have a link to the Amazon page and it's called to freedom. It's called a parent's guide to understanding human trafficking and healing their children. And Ruth is the author of that book. Mary, our survivor, mentor survivor, uh, came alongside her. And there's a handful of other anonymous survivors that contributed to it as well. And it's good. It's very insightful. And I just know that it's going to be um, used to help many, many people in these situations. Thank you. Thank you for everything you've shared. Uh, maybe as we wrap up, what is something you hope the listeners will take away from this conversation today? I say you don't know what you don't know, right? Um, it come, go to calldefreedom.org, get on the website and, and learn about what human trafficking looks like. I think there's a lot of Hollywood movies that maybe don't give a realistic uh, uh, sight of what this looks like or real view of what this looks like. So get educated. Um, but I also would say in regards to survivors that um, sometimes you can't judge a book by its cover. And that everybody deserves to have somebody believe of them and everybody deserves to have hope. And I hope that's that's what Call to Freedom signifies um, and that the community can come behind that and support that. 
um, because we believe in people and we believe that people need second chances and deserve uh, hope in their life. So if I'm to leave that with anyone, I hope inspire somebody to reach out to somebody and, you know, you just never know where you could change somebody's day. Becky, thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing the story of Call to Freedom and all the great work you guys are doing all across South Dakota and probably beyond. So thanks for your time today. Thanks, Jeff. We appreciate your support. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can partner with the South Dakota Community Foundation to bring your charitable goals to life, please find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or visit our website at www.sdcommunityfoundation.org.